What have you got there, mate? Just a glass of wine. All right. How is it? It's all right, I guess. I mean, obviously, it's not really delicious, like a pint from Beer 52. Well, it's a good job that this episode of Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs is sponsored by Beer 52, the world's number one beer club. With Beer 52, you'll receive a case of beer every month featuring craft beers from all over the world, including Belgium, California, New Zealand and more. As well as getting eight free beers, you'll also receive the award-winning magazine Ferment, as well as a couple of different snacks. Perfect for a night in, or an innocent picnic in the park. For the last time, it was a picnic. You couldn't see the snacks. We had two different types of snacks. Best of all, you can pause or cancel your membership at any time, so you don't need to worry about the ombudsman coming to get you if you want to take a break from your membership. So seriously, what are you waiting for? If you want to get started with a free case of beer, head to beer52.com forward slash peep to access your first case for free. Eight beers, Beer 52. Eight. That's insane. All you need to do is pay the £5.95 for postage. And don't worry if you're not a fan of dark beers, there is a light option available. So that's beer52.com forward slash peep to get your first Beer 52 case for free. Poor me. Poor me. Pour me another glass from Beer 52. Cheers. Hello, I'm Robert Webb and you're listening to Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs, a podcast all about reviewing and discussing the British sitcom Peep Show. My name's Tom Harrison and I'm joined as always by Rob Graham. Hello! And this week we're going to be discussing episode three of series five, which is called Jeremy's Broke. How you doing, Rob? Uh, I'm alright, mate. My, my hay fever, I hate to sound, I hate to sound like a bit of a wimp, but my hay fever is an absolute bastard today. Yeah, my this last week is it has just been like running rampant. And yeah. if you ever you sneeze in public at the moment, everyone's like looking at you a bit like, "Ooh, what's going on there?" Yeah, and the weather in Peterborough this week has been absolutely gorgeous. I don't know what it's been like in the rest of the country. And I haven't been able to go outside for more than five minutes without like my eyes streaming. Like I wanted to scratch my own eyeballs out like for most of this week. Yeah, it's mad. Weirdly, mine is only my right eye. I don't know what's <laughs> my left eye. It seems to be pretty good yeah my right is letting me down oh um, my eyes never normally struggle as badly as this and i've literally had to go and invest in eye drops for the past couple of days it's been been a killer can i just interject with one quick correction tom this episode is not called jeremy's broke it's called jeremy broke there's no it's, it's not jeremy's it's just jeremy just as a small oh my bad <laughs> yes my bad hate to live relentlessly in the real world and all that <laughs> correcting that now Cool. All right. Um, well, yes, so this week we're going to be discussing episode three of series five, Jeremy Broke. Um, and uh, should we shout out the, the, the patrons up, up front? Because I think we got a new one, didn't we, um, since we recorded the last episode? Yes, we have. Uh, I should have been prepared for this and had the, the names loaded up already. <laughs> um, so we've got 11 patrons now. We have got the, like I called them last week, the Magnificent Ten. We've got Alex Watson uh andrew mason daniel thompson darren friedrichs dave pink uh doug simpson laurie johnson mike kavanagh robert horvath trisha retensia and our latest a uh new patron hailing all the way from sweden is joel johansson byberg and also what a great name there joel that's a phenomenal name 
Um, and he's already been in touch with us. He's uh, He's been giving us a few of his sort of fan theories that have been quite interesting to read. Um, so welcome, welcome to the podcast. Absolutely. Cool. All right. All right. Let's get into, into the episode then. So we're going to run through the synopsis and then uh, we're going to go through our general thoughts. And then Rob is also... Um, collected some of your guys' thoughts, uh, fan thoughts about uh, what you guys think of this episode. So we're going to jump into that as well, which should be good. So the synopsis for Jeremy Broke. It's Mark's birthday, but instead of Jeremy giving Mark a gift, it's Mark giving Jez one. And by gift, we mean eviction. Mark's getting sick of Jeremy scrounging off him. And when Australian Saz bursts onto the scene, Mark attempts a form of Stockholm syndrome to woo her by inviting her to move in leaving Jeremy to find a way of getting by. So, should we start with uh, listener thoughts? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was it was kind of what I expected from the listeners, and it's kind of similar to what I sort of thought from this episode. Um, uh, Jamie Atkinson on uh, Facebook said it was a solid outing. He said he loves the bit when Johnson confronts Jez about the credit card, um, and Jez doesn't apologise or anything, but tries to sort of say he's letting him in on the scam, like... I do think that that I've I've noted that as one of my favourite bits. Um, Daryl McNeil said it's a very underrated episode. A lot of people seem to dislike it because of Saz, but she's clearly meant to be an unlikable character, um, and it's got some really sort of funny moments in it. Some people have piped it quite a few times. Kieran Duffy has said it's a classic episode. It performed the vital public service of teaching the Irishman. I'm presuming Kieran is talking about himself there. Who was on the British twenty pound note? And of course that is. Mr. Edward Elgar himself. Um, <laughs> to be we'll... fair, I know that who the you know the guy is on the twenty pound note. I don't, he's not. It isn't Elgar anymore, is it? I think they replaced him with the new one. They did, um, yeah. In fairness, but I knew that because of Peep Show. In fairness, <laughs> Kieran spoke about it being on the ten pound note, and I had to be like, "I'm sorry to be that guy," and I've already done it to you once in this episode. He's actually on the twenty pound <laughs> note. Um, it's quite interesting though because on Facebook it seems to be mainly positive, but on Twitter. Uh, Sean Wright, who we had for our phone in chat, said that, well, he questioned, actually. He said, is Saz the only girlfriend Mark has who refers to him with some sort of nickname? Because she refers to him as Marco, doesn't she? Not Mark. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Elliot Baker, who we also had on our chat, sh- our chat show, our phone in, said uh, Saz is a worse human being than Daryl. Yeah, I know what I said. <laughs> um, we had some others. Phil Roberts said, I think most people can see that Saz is a bit of a user and a nut job. Mark is so desperate for any kind of level of connection. He bit where most people run a mile. Uh, and Charlie, at, at Ding Charlie, said, one of my least favourite episodes purely because of how awful it is to watch the way Jez and Mark act and how humiliating the repercussions are. Mm. So I think a lot of their opinions, in fairness, I sort of had myself. Like, I think this episode does get a bad reputation because of Saz. And because I think Saz is one of the few completely detestable characters like she doesn't do anything positive like we have lots of characters that we we sort of say oh we don't like them people know i don't like matt townsend for example but he did do some positive things saz is in there purely to just rinse mark yeah i personally i don't think there's anything wrong with that i don't think that makes it a bad episode i mean she's no. just like a catalyst isn't she to make things happen but i think because she's such a bad character in terms of how awfully she behaves. I think people, if you say this episode and remind people, oh, it's the speed dating episode, they'll go, oh, Saz. Oh my God, hate Saz. I hate her. She's horrible. Yeah, but I think that there's a difference between uh, like a, 
I mean, a bad character can mean two things. And like, yeah, she's a bad person. Her character is bad. But as a character, I, th- I think she's really good. She, you know, she is essentially the the main plot point. Her introduction, like, fuels the entire episode. And there's a fine line between that level of they're a bad character, which makes it a good episode. If you think like Daryl and Gog, they're both meant to be dislikable characters in that episode. But actually, we talked about how that's one of the best episodes in that series. Yeah, I just think there's as, a fine as characters, line. Characters, they're they're brilliant. <laughs> yeah, and I think this episode is good. I think it's good that we see Mark, to a certain extent, get his comeuppance at the end of that episode, where he's basically spent the whole episode shafting Jez, and then I know Jez shafts him at the end, but Mark gets his comeuppance by the fact that he sees his girl. He makes the wrong choice with the wrong girl. And ends up seeing the girl that he wants mugging him off with his arch rival. Yeah, it's a nice, neat, um, <laughs> neat aside from Saz's appearance after her bender. Um, quite a, a good package from start to end. It sort of wraps up a, a one episode arc quite nicely. Yeah, I think that's that hits the nail on the head. I think it's a really good singular. No, nothing really comes out of this. There's nothing that really follows through after this. By the end of it, Saz is gone, so Jez doesn't have to find himself a house again. The Dobby storyline kind of continues. The Sophie storyline kind of just does sort of speed up a little bit. But all of the stuff around Big Sue's, all the stuff around Johnson, is kind of just wrapped up by 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 the end credits. You're right. Cool. All right, shall we get started in the episode proper then? Let's go. We start in the flat, as always, and um, there's this awkward scene of Jeremy watching Mark eat his dinner, um, and Jeremy's sort of looking longingly at it with each bite that Mark takes, um, as and he starts asking Mark about his sausage and gravy. That smells good. Is that a Cumberland sausage? It's my birthday week, so I'm being nice to myself. That's an onion gravy, isn't it? I, I know we've talked about it before, but they always do a really good job. Whenever one of them's ill or in pain or hungry or something, they do a really good job with the makeup of making them look like that. And as soon as this episode starts, Jez looks pasty white. He looks like <laughs> slightly haggard. You can just you they've done a really good job of setting the scene straight away with, with where Jez is in a mindset sort of way. Um and Mark says after Jez is sort of longingly uh asking him these questions. Mark says that he's treating himself. It's his birthday week. Um, he's going to have a party. He wants to go speed dating. He just reels off a load of things that he's doing, um, which does seem quite out of the ordinary, but I think a lot of the things that he does in this series seem to be quite out of character for Mark. Yeah, totally. I was going to ask your thoughts on Mark throwing a birthday party because it just, like you say, it doesn't really seem his style and we don't see him doing it any other series uh, to my memory well he says he says something about um he's never going to meet a woman he's obviously doing it to try and meet a woman or to Mm. make himself seem normal but he says i'm never going to meet a woman through normal means and he lists off a whole load of places that he'd never meet a woman doesn't he he's like i'll never meet a woman in a bar or a cafe or in a bookshop but actually saz and april i suppose he meets all of the other women he dates in a normal way he meets Sophie through work. He meets Dobby through work. He meets Callie mm. through like a, a friendship 
sort of yeah. that, which is a natural way to meet somebody. Saz and April, who he stalks, and even then yeah. he met her while she was working, and he chatted up, chatted her up in inverted commas. So I think that's a it's it's a slightly like self deprecating attitude that Mark's got because I think he does meet a lot of people in a normal way. Yeah, you never see him going through like the Lonely Hearts ads, or you know he's not gone speed dating to this point. No, and he's um, done a he's done a blind date. He did that blind date with Heather from series from episode one. Yeah, I mean this is a, a series of all of you know first times, yeah. isn't it for for Mark um, and jumping from from one thing to the next, sort of throwing himself into these situations he wouldn't normally do. And it's funny. Obviously, we're going to talk about the party later, but Mark's idea of a uh, of a party and you know getting meat in the room is, is the, the the quote that always sticks out to me um it's all about you touched on it earlier like the illusion of like what a party should be and having it it's almost just for show isn't it more than anything else i'm sure he does it again later on oh, the party he has when um it turns out to be like gail and elena's like engagement night that one there are just tons of people he doesn't really know he just gets people he, he does it for like dodgy means he does that one to try and uh encourage dobby doesn't he yeah that's right yeah yeah it's just he's got to project that image that everything's fine and that he's okay like i mean i'm not but it's like i am <laughs> well yeah and like dobby said to him at the end of spin war she's like my mate's doing a gig go down check it out like she calls him out on you're trying to be a normal human being mark trying to throw a party is so against what Mark would normally be doing that you can just you can just call him out on it straight away. Yeah, which is precisely what Jeremy does. He's quite rightly shocked um, and comments that if, if Mark has a breakdown, it's going to be Jez that has to wheel him around the National Army Museum. Oh, I love that line. Like. <laughs> love that. Yeah, so, so Mark's talking about going uh, speed dating uh, while he's having his dinner and Jeremy makes a comment. He, he, it's like a, a child where he's like, I'm hungry. Yeah. And Mark's the sort of stern pa- uh, parent. He's just like, that is not... Well, not even like a parent, actually. It's like Mark's the, the fat King Henry VIII and Jeremy's like the peasantry in the in the stalls. Yeah. And Mark's just like, that is not my problem. And Mark leaves the room for just a second and there is absolutely no hesitation from Jeremy at all to steal the sausage. I'm the skinny one. I need food more than him. Yeah, might just Robin Hood this baby. He's such a tight ass. Won't even replace the widescreen. I think it takes a real like hard nut from from Mark, or just like he must have been so broken down by Jez over the years that if you could see how hungry your housemate was, not to give them just something. Like Jez has yeah. just worn Mark down so much over the years they've been living together. Like I don't know whether you've ever lived just other than like obviously with your partner. Like, you and one other person. No, never. So I have. And, like, we would always... Like, if he he was, like, skin, or if I was skin, and we needed... One of us didn't have any food in the house, we would always be like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, I'll cook dinner for us tonight. Like, next time you do in the shop, just pick up a couple of extra bits for the flat. I would never have let my housemate go hungry. I I suppose the difference is that you just pointed out that if one of us was, the other one would. But the, the case here is that it's probably always jeremy that's the one that's hungry and yeah i suppose that's the mark difference, isn't it? yeah that's putting the dinner on the table so i think you're right after well it while it seems cold after so many years you can probably see mark's point and i think it's it's maybe like just the 
well, what we're about to see is like the straw that broke the camel's back. Well, we learn in the next episode, or certainly in the next few episodes, that Jeremy owes Mark like four grand. So you you can completely imagine that Mark, if somebody owed me that amount of money, I don't think I'd have any time for him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but Jeremy doesn't seem to care. He, like I say, Mark's out the room, you know, less than five seconds before Jeremy's already like dipping his hands he, into Mark's meal. He pounces. Um, yeah, he does. And he claim in his internal monologue, he's talking about how it's like a, a Robin Hood gesture, except for the, the key difference being that Robin Hood steals from the rich and then gives to the poor. Um, so there's quite a, a misunderstanding or like misinterpretation there from, from Jeremy's side. Um, and he moans about Mark being a tight ass for not replacing the big screen. And it just, Jeremy's the bloody reason that it got stolen. So yeah, Jeremy being unreasonable as always. Um, and so Mark returns to the room and he's furious and brandishing a, a tub of ice cream that, that Jeremy has also helped himself to. Recognise this, Jeremy. I went to get the Cherry Garcia out to defrost and look what I found inside. Look, I know what you think happened, and yes, you're right, I have eaten all your ice cream. Which is made just better by if the camera turning, like Mark's point of view turning to Jez, and you're just seeing Jez mouthing out like the last four words of the, of the sentence. Yeah, absolutely incredible, I love that bit. And Mark loses his shit. Jez tries to defend it by being like, read the mitigating circumstances, there are loads. What, what do you think they could have been, well, those mitigating circumstances? Unfortunately, we never get to hear them. I don't know, but I can't imagine there are that many because he wrote it on a post-it note. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I, th I think that every time I see this episode, I'm like, there can't be that many mit mitigating circumstances, even if he double-sided the post-it note. It's <laughs> yeah, not that much. <laughs> I don't know. I can't imagine what bullshit Jez would convince himself. The munchies could be a good mitigating circumstance. Yeah, um, he... Th he was high and he thought it was natural yogurt i don't know <laughs> yeah, yeah he got confused yeah. um but mark goes to like is already cross and as he then walks across the room he takes a look down at his plate and realizes that um a sausage has been like jeremy's obviously eating the sausage and mark just explodes a sausage has gone oh my god jeremy a sausage is missing is this what it's come to? I've got to carry my food around with me now to stop you from... Right, well, I'm sorry. You've driven me to this. What are you doing? I'm making a list of all the household items that you have permission to consume. Oh, for God's sake. Toilet paper, OK. Soap, OK, but not shower gel and no razors. If you're poor, grow a beard. Tea bags are allowed within limits. Limits? What limits? No making a pie out of tea or anything weird. This is like... Have you ever watched My Family? Yeah. Where they literally go, and I think they ago. do it in Big Bang Theory as well, where they literally go around and put stickers on what belongs to each other, and they literally draw like an, a line through the through the the building to say this is my half and this is my half. Yellow oh, stickers wow. are mine, green stickers are yours. Like this is that <laughs> this is that sort of level. Well, yeah, this is the sort. It reminded me, and it's funny you talked about your experience earlier, but this is the sort of thing that like uni households come up with like marking food in the fridge and the cupboards and it's like these two have, have they're supposed to have progressed from uni flatmates to real world flatmates but it's like they're regressing but i think that's jez's fault not mark's like when we lived at uni i lived as a group of five 
And we did used to have a problem where people would just take each other's food out of the cupboard. Whereas mm. when it was just two of you, that never used to happen because I was like, well, if it's not me, it's clearly it's clearly my housemate. Like if I haven't eaten that, there's only one other person it can be. Whereas Jeremy just doesn't care. Yeah, very true. Yeah, that's the key difference. And Jeremy then sort of goes for the emotional card here, doesn't he? Yeah, he tries to spin a little sob story for him. The thing is, and I keep meaning to tell you this, but basically, a few years ago, Mummy gave me a nest egg, and I kept on meaning to invest, but it turns out I've spent it. You ate your nest egg. You're meant to sit on your nest egg till it hatches, not eat it like some greedy mad chicken. Some quite cool foreshadowing here, because we meet Jeremy's mum next episode, so this is a... A nice little tear for for what we're about to get. Yeah, I have to say, in my head, I thought that this scene about the eating the nest egg was in the next episode until I w watched it again. In my head, this was the beginning of right the next episode anyway. So I sort of obviously nice. got I obviously blended two into one. Yeah, exactly. But this is the the first time I think we've heard about her, isn't it? Because she was notably absent from Uncle Ray's funeral way back at the end of series one. Yeah, we don't... I don't know whether he even mentions her. I don't think we have any mention yeah, of Jeremy's think so. Because he hasn't had, like, yeah. his... He hasn't had any sort of therapy, which is where his mum tends to come out. Yeah, I think that. I think it must be. She's only really in that one episode, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, precisely. Um, so Jeremy basically is like, I'd love to get a job, but there aren't many jobs in the media industry at the moment, so I, I can't get one. And Mark's like, well... Like, just get a job of any kind. It doesn't really matter what job you get. Just get one. And Mark's basically... And Jez basically says, like, you're such a bastard trying to get me... Like, trying to get me to get a job that's not in the media. Jeremy's just like, he wants either his dream job or no job. He wants it's a job just... where he doesn't have to work. Yeah. Like, all of the things he's done so far, none, none of them have, um, have, have really had to... He's had to do anything for. No, yeah, precisely. And he only he only seems to last, you know, days or a week or in case, in the, the in regards to his JLB stint, like half a morning. Um. So Jez just rounds this thorough shit show off by basically like basically in for a penny, in for a pound. Put the sausage back. I'm deadly serious. You, you never pay any rent. If you start stealing from me as well, that's it. You'll have to move out. This is the final straw. Mmm, delicious Cumberland final straw, dripping in onion gravy. There has, you have to be a certain level of, like, bastard to do that. But Mark can't do anything. Like, if this Saz thing that comes next hadn't happened, Jez wouldn't have been thrown out. No, I don't think so. And, and I mean, we jump forward and, like you say, Saz hasn't arrived at this point, but Jeremy appears to have already survived Mark's, like, effectively a bluff, we, it turns out, um, as we jump forward to Mark at his speed dating night. Yes. Um, and it, I feel like it's so unfortunate because we arrive after Mark's gone through the experience and... I went to check if there was a deleted or extended version of this scene to see if there was any glimpse of it, um, but unfortunately there wasn't. Although there was uh, another deleted scene, which I'll get into later. Um, but just for fun, how do you think Mark would have got on? It depends on the sort of women that were there. Like, if there had been some 
Dobbies or some like Aprils there. If like April, a woman of April's like academic ilk, that sort of interest, he might have done all right. Maybe I could see him doing um, taking the Sally Slater approach and boasting about his uh, vacuum, which he's managed to pay for with his extra, you know, uh, expendable income. And <laughs> no, I and mean I've never like done speed dating. I presume you haven't either. Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, I can't imagine. It wouldn't be my cup of tea. Like, I, I'm i very much like Mark. Like, he says later on, like, I'm never going to win on the sexual battlefield, but in here I can, like, pipe in Barry White, I can get her to give me a back rub and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, that's definitely... I'm not suggesting that's my tactic, but, like, that's definitely more my level than speed dating. <laughs> yeah, on the barometer. I mean, I've done, I've done blind dates, but I've never done speed dating it'd be my idea of hell i think there's a sort of harmless fun to speed dating i think if you're going to speed dating to find the one you're not really i think you should go with very low expectations but mark goes on his own like i would go if i when i was single if a group of us had gone ah for a bit of a laugh like let's like because yeah in, in my house at uni like four out of the five of us were single if we'd have said let's all go speed dating, it'll be a bit of a laugh. I'd have probably done that. But Mark is going on his own, which is really quite sad. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that there's, you're right. There's a, there's a sort of like up for a laugh mentality of going to the Greek, whereas if you're the guy on your own, it's there's something a little bit yeah. tragic about it, maybe. So as um, expected, Mark has no matches. Uh, we've collated all of your ticks and crosses with all the girls' ticks and crosses. Ah, the results are in. What does the swingometer say? Well, I'm afraid you've got no matches for dating. What? None? But number 23 said she was definitely going to tick. That's a verbal contract. Well, maybe you could take her to court. Very typical Mark, but quite sad. Mark is fuming about it, and he, he insists that maybe there's, you know, there's something wrong about, like, the, the data being collated and things like that. It's just like, come on, Mark, like, face reality. No one's up for it. Yeah, bless him. Like, he's quite sad. Um... And his eyes turn from that to our first glimpse of Saz, who is waiting at the bar. What were your first impressions of her when you saw her? Because I know what a lot of our listeners' first impressions were. I don't think she looks trashy or anything. No, I don't think she does. I think she looks like a like a, a well-dressed, like, relatively attractive woman. Like, Natasha Beaumont. Yeah. Natasha Beaumont, who plays her, absolutely lovely. Like, she's a really famous actress. She's gone on to do loads of stuff. Once once we actually start speaking to her, and I think within like the first few lines, you go, trouble, trouble, trouble. Yeah, the, the, the red flags are popping up almost immediately. Yeah. yeah, definitely. But I think from a purely like, I can see why perhaps Mark goes over. I mean, they sort of catch each other's eyes and, and Saz gives him a sort of like half grin. Um, and Mark, you know turns out foolishly perhaps in a bit of denial uh, i think that's the point where he wonders whether the data was uh, collated incorrectly um and with that half smile she gives him he he sees that as an invitation to head over well she refers to him no he refers to her sorry as um maybe she's my hanging chad now do you know what a hanging chad is is that uh, like a us political thing yeah so basically i had to i did have to look this up it's basically like a chad is where they put, like they hole punch the ballot papers and the chad is the like the little bit of um you know like when you hole punch a piece of paper there's a little bit of, like the the material yeah, still yeah. left in it 
Um, and basically what had happened was there were loads of hanging chads where the piece of material was still stuck in the hole and it went through the machines and the machines weren't counting them. So loads of people right. voted. I think, I can't remember which election it was in. I feel like it was 2000. So it was basically, maybe she was somebody who tried to vote for me, tried to say yes to me, and it didn't go through. Right. It's a yes, very yes, niche yes. reference. Yeah, very. And uh, perhaps one that quite, um, <laughs> quite funnily enough is that something that our American listeners would perhaps get because it, yes. it was an American election, wasn't it? So, um, yeah, one that kind of flew over my head a little. I mean, I knew enough about it where I'd heard about, you know, that the hanging Chad. Um, but I think that's one very much for Americans, which is which is always nice change of pace. Yeah. <laughs> So he gets chatting to her and like she's obviously just come off the phone and she reveals to Mark that some guy she's been with is chucking her out of her, uh, the apartment. And Mark tries to cheer her up and offers to buy her a drink, doesn't he? Um, and he's like, Budva? Yeah. And in his internal monologue, I can't remember exactly what he says, but he's like, I've got to get in there quick before somebody else thinks of this idea. <laughs> yeah. As though like, just buying a girl a drink at a bar is like revolutionary. I think you sort of know that this isn't going to end well because we all know that Mark is on a, a strange form of rebound where he's rebounding multiple times. He's just like ricocheting everywhere. And Saz is like a couple of lines of dialogue already. She's clearly broken up with someone very serious and it, it's as fresh as a week ago. Whereas, you know, Mark's even Mark's had longer than that. Um, so you can tell, you know, they're both on the rebound like this. Um, it's just, we know that Saz isn't going to be the one, even though, you know, probably Mark's probably going to think she is. Well, and he literally says it within about five minutes of this when he speaks to Jez. Like, without any sort of context, he's like, I think she might be the one. So, yeah, we, we skip to one desperate scene uh, to another, and we see Jez at a fertility clinic. Yeah, we catch him. I presume it's Jeremy's uh, viewpoint from the outside yeah. um, as he, as he's walking in. And just seeing that sign, Fertility Clinic, like we know exactly <laughs> what, you know, that's all you need to know for exactly how Jeremy's intending to, to, to get out of uh, his current situation. Yeah, and I so thought... So he got, got a laugh without even a word being said. Yeah, Jez is just like, hey, I'm here. I'm, I'm here to do a wank and make some money. I mean, like, Jeremy's not good at much, but... We know he's got loads of experience jazzing into flannels and flinging his wicked willy around. <laughs> he's decided to put that to good use. Just out of curiosity, I, I did Google uh, about being, a, not about me being a sperm donor, but about the concept of being a sperm donor before this episode. How much do you think you get paid to be a sperm donor? Uh, it's probably something obscenely well-paying. Is it not? No, I asked this question to my wife earlier when I was literally making notes. And I said, right, how much do you think you get paid to be a sperm donor per visit? And she was like, I don't know, 500 quid. And I was like, that's obscene. It's £35. Oh, my God. Like, like sweet a, diddly Like a tank squat. of petrol. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. It's funny. I was going to say 500 quid as well. But yeah, yeah, well, according wow. to Google, and I don't know how reliable the source I found was, I think it's slightly more in the States. But in the UK, it's like 35 quid. Well, actually, that's funny. Funny you say that is that I should have known that because there's a deleted scene, which I'm going to talk about shortly, that, that, that does give us a bit of a better idea. Um, but for now, we'll, we'll stick with the scene that is in there. Um, but yeah, Jeremy's essentially decided to to put what he does best, which is jazzing into any ob object that will have it 
um, to, to make a few quid. And and like you say, Jeremy going, he bounces in in pretty good spirits, doesn't he? And in fairness, like 35 quid, if he like if he did that once a day, if he went in five days a week, it's still <laughs> like best part of 200 quid a week. It's more than nothing that he's on. I guess. Could probably pay his rent. Yeah, I'll get on my bike. My bike's my big dick. Jeremy Osborne? Wow, she's hot. Maybe she's a sort of warm-up act. Cubicle three. Great, thanks. Listen, I just wanted to say I'm sorry. What for? For what goes on through there. I just want to assure you that I'm not the same as the rest of these feckless cum shedders. So, if you ever need anyone for a private donation, you've got my details. Ooh, bit creepy. I noticed as he walks towards her, he gives her, like, and we see it so many times, like, he gives her the sex eyes. <laughs> like, I paused it on the exact point, and I'm like, oh, we see this so often when he's about to, like, try and pull, or he's just about to have sex. So Jeremy goes into the room and uh, is immediately disappointed to discover that there's no pornography in there to sort of help him out, which I, I was quite surprised at as well. I was surprised that there's not any porn in there, but I'm also surprised that he's not got quite an extensive when he talks about how many chicks he bangs in uh, in air quotes i'm surprised he hasn't got like a bit of like a wank bank to fall back on <laughs> yeah maybe i think that, that my only other reference point for these sorts of sperm banks is uh, there's an episode of friends when chandler goes in and there's porn in that one um so i just assumed perhaps it was it was like that in all of them but but jeremy's very much disappointed um so he has to use his imagination and what little material he has there which is um you mentioned him earlier good old elgar pops up as jeremy gets a 20 out from his wallet and uh fantasizes about her royal highness <laughs> majesty the queen would it be wrong why not it's a free country <laughs> okay queenie it's back in the 50s you're nice and young you've just been coronated I'm taking off your cloak. No, leave the crown on. Ooh, what's this? Stockings? You've been getting through your nylon ration book pretty quickly, you naughty, sexy queen. Oh, shit. Right, here we... Oh. Elgar? Oh, I've totally lost it now. Thanks a bunch, Elgar. I don't get... Like, I, okay, no, I do get how that would throw him off. But he's literally masturbating over, like, a a picture like a sketch of a woman from like 50 60 years ago who he knows now is a really old lady like yeah. i can't imagine it being any weirder that he's then having to try and masturbate to elgar than it is to, to <laughs> the queen. and we all know jez has always been a bit gay he tells us like later on <laughs> Very true. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess Elgar is is a line that he even he won't cross. Um, so yeah, I mentioned earlier that there was a deleted scene in this episode, um, and I don't know exactly where it would have slotted in, but it, it relates to the fertility clinic. Um, I'm guessing it takes place like a fair while later uh, in this episode um, because it shows Jeremy returning a few days later, uh, hoping to make some more money. Um, and it's the same woman at the desk and she tells him that you can't donate twice in under a week um so i think your idea rob of going you know making a deposit once a day uh, is something that jeremy can't quite um can't handle 
Um, but Jez's response is amazing because he says, like, look, I can knock some out at half price. Like, let's call it a tenner a pop. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. Yeah, it's awful. Um, and she sort of politely declines. Um, and Jeremy makes this amazing comment saying, like, she's throwing away the chance to create a master race. I, I hope she knows that. Um and then there's this awful bit because like we've had this theme of Jeremy sort of going hungry um, and he turns and looks at this, the seating area and sees that there's a man eating a sandwich um, and the man either goes to the toilet or goes into his booth to make his contribution um, but he leaves the half-eaten sandwich behind and Jeremy decides to go and steal and eat the sandwich or like what's left of it um, and we get this oh, lovely half-eaten sandwich. Why not? It's not rubbish, not yet. It's still in the packet. And th- this woman, who's like a member of staff there, is looking over at him. And he's like, I offend everything you believe in, don't I, woman? Everything in your belief system says I shouldn't, I, uh, I shouldn't exist. But I do, so screw you. <laughs> and it just cuts out. Um, and I, I think at this point, Jeremy's got a bit of uh, like his... His beard is starting to grow. He's looking a bit unkempt. And I know that pops up when he goes to Suze's later. So I'm guessing it's uh, that this scene takes place around then. Um, but a, a great little... I mean, it's not even that lo- uh, long a scene. So it's a shame that they, they cut it, to be honest. Um, yeah. Because it was the only deleted scene that I could find for, for this episode. But a nice little extra. And uh, sort of puts the, you know, your research into sperm donation... Um, Maybe Jeremy's knocking up at, you know, a third price. That's an extra special discount. What a grim, grim thought. <laughs> <laughs> so we we leave Jeremy having presumably made his sperming contribution um, and we head back to the flat. Mark is uh, is moving Saz in. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, well, Jeremy doesn't know initially that it's Saz moving in. He He... <laughs> quite naively perhaps thinks that Mark's just redecorating his room for him, which is particularly naive given the huge row that they had previously. Um, and a one line that does stick out to me is um, he, Jeremy's like, oh, not too sure about the, the colour on the ceiling, but uh, it's not me who looks at it. It's the chicks, right? <laughs> Always cracks me up. Um, but you're right, Mark quite quickly bursts his bubble and, and breaks the news of Jeremy that, that Saz is going to be moving in. And you're right, like, I do think it is really harsh. And perhaps, like, you know, if Jeremy can't pay his rent, then fair enough. Like, he's, uh, you talked about it earlier, that where it's going to come up, that he's, like, thousands of pounds in, in debt with Mark. Um, but I think, ultimately, it comes down to the fact that Mark can't cope with having this conversation and confronting Jeremy with it. So he's just sort of gone behind his back and kicked him out without even realising, which, like, I, I know Jeremy's kind of a massive shit, but just have him find out when he returns to see, you know, the stuff being cleared out of his room, like, it seems a bit too much for me. We don't know the gap in time between the speed dating and this episode, but I'm guessing a couple of days. Mm. If if she's being chucked out of her apartment that she's been living in with that guy, presumably it's not been long, because otherwise she'd have been homeless. And we know from the beginning of the episode that... Mark's party is the same week on the Friday. So, you know, this whole episode takes place over maybe five days at most. So, yeah, it can't be long. And Jez is quite rightly fuming. He's like, what the fuck? You're kicking me out. 
And Mark's like, no, not right away. Like, you can stay on the sofa until you find a new place, but it's not viable for you to take up a whole room for free. Which is kind of, which is true. But then when Mark drops in, and I know I'm skipping forward, but Mark drops in that Saz isn't going to pay any rent initially either. Mm. Like, that's quite rich. I mean, yeah, like so many things in Peep Show, like the, the reasoning is is fairly sound, but the execution is just appalling. Um, and this is a, a prime example. And I think it's a really interesting method that Mark uses because he then buys loads of food that he knows Jez won't eat so that he knows Jez won't steal it. And what do you call this exactly? A loaf of delicious Vogel linseed bread. Benacol margarine, soya milk, marrow. What's wrong with linseed bread and marzipan and rivita and radishes? It's continental. I know why you're buying it, because you know I don't like it, but you don't like it either. If you're going to steal my food, Jeremy, I'd prefer you not to enjoy it. And not enjoying it myself is a small price to pay. Now, I can imagine Jez will go to any lengths to find food, so I would imagine that he will eat all of this stuff. He might be sick afterwards. He drinks his own piss later on. Like, <laughs> Very true. Um, so this is just, like, peak Mark. Like, this is exactly the sort of thing he does. Like, even if it means punishing himself he's that spiteful it's that sort of cutting your nose off to spite your face and oh and mark's more than happy to yeah. do that <laughs> yeah absolute bastarding to the and he says look if you had some career other than wanking into a cup maybe you could buy food and pay the rent um and jeremy quite rightly says like all right what's sal's playing then and mark's mm. like oh nothing initially but and the camera like jez is obviously standing quite close to him and Mark comes right into the camera and he's like, Jeremy, look, the thing is, I think she might be the one. And I could never win with a woman like that on the sexual battlefield, but in here I can pipe in Barry White while she's asleep, pretend I need a back rub, fall asleep on her lap. Right, so that's what it comes down to, is it? You don't want to bone me, so I'm out. It's that brutal. Have you seen the old man down by the Siemens mission? Yes, not very fuckable, is he? Screw him. That's what it is, isn't it? And, Jer- and Mark doesn't even try to lie about it. Yeah, and of course we've got three for three now, three episodes, three different the ones. Um, so we're continuing that hot streak. So we skip forward to Mark coming back to the flat, so presumably later on that night. Uh, I'm guessing Saz has, has got these mates over to sort of celebrate her moving in, perhaps. Yeah, or just to be a bit of a knob. Um, yeah. <laughs> so he's walking back and he's got a, like a bag of food that he's obviously preparing to like nibbles and dips and stuff i presume for his big chat with sophie and saz has got a friend round or got a few friends round yeah and she just asks mark she's like is it all right if we get smashed um just like, i got a couple of friends around do you mind if we we have, basically have a few drinks like it didn't really feel like too much of a question mark couldn't exactly say no no yeah exactly um and this is her first reference to him being like she's like you're right marco i've just got a couple of mates around and we're getting smashed is that cool <laughs> Um, I might keep that in for your accent. (laughs) (laughs) And Mark says, like, yeah, fine. I was going to ask if you might be able to make yourself scarce tomorrow night. Um, I've got some X stuff. And it's, again, it's just Mark trying to, like, do his behaving like a normal human. (laughs) Like, I've got some X stuff. Like, the one X you've got in your life, Mark. Yeah, he he does do it with a bit of, like, a rolling your eyes. Like, oh, X's, am I right? Yes, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, and Sans is like, yeah, yeah, fine. Yeah, she Sans is very sort of quite dismissive of that comment, and before you know it... Hey, listen, Marco, you wouldn't have any fucking nose powder on the sly, would you? No, no, I, I don't really... Why don't you run out and get us some coke, eh, Marco? Yeah, <laughs> go on, get us some coke, you big freak. Then we can sit around watching your porno collection. <laughs> um, to, to be honest, I, I don't really know where to get coke and, and I don't have a porno collection. Sure you do. You're getting a tubby just thinking about it, aren't you, mate? You filthy little dirt box. Hey, man! Marco's got a chub on! <laughs> They're just vile to him. And I think everyone can relate to Mark's situation here, like being the person around the group of people who are smashed when you're just stone cold sober Mate, is just yeah. the the weirdest position and just i don't know i whether it's just me i imagine mark's sort of the same but just while they find everything hilarious and you just like you don't know how to respond like they're just chatting pure shit i just end up getting quite annoyed to be honest well and i was talking about this like me and you like neither of us are particularly like big drinkers like we're quite often in the situation where we're the most sober one in a group. Yeah. Um, and, like, there is a common point where you have to go, if I'm choosing to be like this in this situation, I've kind of just got to take, take it as it comes. But there always comes a point on a night out or, like, at a house party or something where you do just be like, piss off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but Mark doesn't seem deterred by this. So he goes back through to the kitchen Wow, this is great, isn't it? Three fun-loving girls in the flat. Anything could happen. I suppose anything could happen. Anything could happen. They might shag us. Don't say it, Jeremy. They might shag each other. There's no need to actually say it. If, if you say it, you'll break the spell. I don't know why really Jeremy would want to shag Saz. Like, she's the one that's made him, if, like, semi-homeless. <laughs> yes, but he basically says, doesn't he? He's like, if, if, she, if they've got a pulse and a vagina, I'll have a go. Like, that's my type. Maybe Jeremy could, is thinking he could shag his way back into the flat and just he moves live with in with Saz. Saz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think actually at this point it's also useful to dispel a bit of a myth about this episode. So many people on social media always talk about the woman in the one of the really early episodes of series one when they're watching like some sort of babe station or like you um like some sort of dating channel you know like the ones that are really like high numbers on the freeview channels right and there's a woman that i think is called she's either called saz or Lindsay, and looks exactly like one of them and everyone's like oh they were there right from the beginning it's not like there have been several oh, okay. interviews where they've come out and said no it's not meant to be the same person like it was just coincidence. That would have been a cool Easter egg, though. But yeah, just a, a weird coincidence. Yeah. Um, and the door goes, and they're in really high spirits. And Mark's like, this is probably their dealer. What shall I say to their dealer? I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's, it puts Jeremy's comment earlier into, you know, it just validates it. Because if Jeremy had had a coke dealer coming round, Mark would be fuming. But because it's Saz and he wants to shag her, suddenly having a coke dealer come to the door is like the best thing ever well he does and he gets even more annoyed when like later on jez starts dealing from the flat doesn't he he starts selling yeah. he starts selling a bit of weed from the flat um and that's absolute aberration to mark whereas this because yeah. there's a chance mark's gonna get his leg over 
all those morals just yeah. pushed to the side. But this is marked to a T, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, precisely. Yeah, just a huge hypocrite. But regardless, it's not their dealer. No, it's uh, it's Sophie, um, and it turns out she's got the wrong day for her meeting with Mark, which he he referenced earlier to Saz. Um, and Mark, after sort of briefly trying to get rid of her at the door, he tries to, after she, she doesn't force her way in, but she sort of just like almost insists on, you know, while we're here, we may as well do it. And Mark tries to make it sort of the quickest handover in history. Um, but Sophie, I mean, quite rightly, sort of wants to use it as an opportunity to, to clear the air a bit, because like the last time they saw each other, it was a complete disaster because Mark ended up having to sort of save her from the toilets at the fuck bunker and Sophie was vomiting and in a complete state. Yeah, and I think, like, this scene, Mark's really uncomfortable, which says a lot because he has an incredibly uncomfortable personality, but this is one of the most uncomfortable scenes we see of Mark where he's so, like, they're not Jeremy's, they're not my girls, they're Jeremy's girls. Like, everything he can to try and stop it happening. Like, maybe we should stick to the appointed time. Like, here's your stuff. It's great that you can come around. I'll see you in the office. Um, and then she goes to sit down and says, like, we need a bit of an air clear. And Mark, in his monologue, is like, no, not sitting. Like, sitting means you'll stay. And Mark just seems genuinely uncomfortable. And it quite surprised me how uncomfortable it makes you feel for Mark when actually Mark comes across quite badly in this scene to Sophie when actually... Yes, Saz is there because Mark's invited to stay, but it's not Mark's fault that she's behaving in the way she's behaving. I don't know if I'm up or down at the moment. I mean, Tolly from the office asked if I wanted to go out for a coffee and I just told him to get lost. And then I realised, you know, I've got to move on at some time, so... Hey, Mark! Get back in here so Lizzie can jerk you off! <laughs> what? No-one's going to jerk me off, Sophie. It's just a stupid joke. Please, carry on. Are you trying to humiliate me? What? No. God, no. Hey, Mark! Come and put your tongue up Lindsay's asshole. It's clean. <laughs> yeah, well, you seem to have moved on pretty fucking quick. I do sort of feel for Mark in this scene because it is making Sophie look really muggy. But Mark's not at fault for this. I think it's just the fact that it, it, this was always going to hurt Sophie because she's come over... And clearly she's still struggling with this. And and Mark is as well, but they're just going about it in completely different ways where Sophie's actually sort of trying to... Like, she appreciates sort of the gravitas of the, the situation and the, the catastrophe that was the wedding. And she starts by saying about how, you know, she doesn't know whether she's up or down and, you know, she's her emotions are all over the place, which, I mean, makes perfect sense because... And we can see it as well. Like we don't really need to for her to tell us that because we've seen it from her behaviour. She was in floods of tears one moment at work to smoking weed the next, like on the office property, and then laughing at Mark, and then went to getting legless in that nightclub. Like she has been all over the place, but and she's sort of taking ownership of that and realizing, you know what. Like and then, like you said, she mentions that someone at work had asked her out, and she'd said no because I think she feels like, you know, she's not in a position where she should be going on dates, and she's not in a good place to find an, another relationship. Whereas Mark has taken the complete opposite tactic, and he's just every single person he meets is the one, and he's trying to, you know, go out with them. It's you know completely polarizing. Um, 
ways of trying to deal with this. And this whole series, obviously by episode six, he's shagging her again. So this whole thing is such up and down. It's ridiculous. Um, but I do kind of feel for Mark a little bit that once again, the actions of other people that, yes, he is involved with have ended up stitching him up. I guess, but I mean, let's be honest, you know, Mark's the reason that this, you know, horrible person is there, and it's because he wants to hook up with her, so there's not really much of a defence for Mark. Like, Sophie's saying about, you know, uh, what we kind of presume is a, a nice, reasonable bloke at the office has asked her out, Mark's already through the ones deep at this point. Yeah, true. Very, very true. Um, but... Yeah, it's just so bad, that that one line. And I think that's the reason, the single reason, I think a lot of people don't like Saz. Yeah, I mean, she, she's just, she's sort of trashy, isn't she? Yeah, it's just, it's just horrific. Um, so, uh, Sophie storms off, doesn't she? And, yeah, we're, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> Support for Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0, all across Europe. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code PEEP at manscaped.com. So why do you need Manscaped's Lawnmower 4.0? Well, we've all got our own nightmare grooming stories about shaving our nether regions. Whether it's Nick's cuts and grazes or an unfortunate tale involving hair removal cream, it can seem like you're always a moment away from disaster. Not with the Lawnmower 4.0. After using it myself, it really does make a massive difference. It's quick, easy to use, and most importantly, I felt safe while using it. With the Lawnmower 4.0, Manscaped have engineered the ultimate groin trimmer, with their advanced skin-safe technology making you confident to shave your boys. So, if you're like Mark and are worried about your testicles looking abnormal, the Lawnmower 4.0 can give you the confidence to do something about it and make your balls feel like a million dollars. So go on, start shaving your testicles like it's the most natural thing in the world, and get 20% off and free shipping with the code PEEP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PEEP. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Uh, yeah, um, so next we arrive a few days later, I'm, I'm guessing, uh, and Mark is talking about, or sorry, and Mark is thinking about how little sleep he's got since Saz moved in. So I'm guessing we're, we're, we're three days in. I think Jeremy says he, that he hasn't had sleep for, for, for three days. Um, and, he, and he walks into the kitchen. Um, and from we get sort of a, the angle from behind of Saz. And she's looking quite glamorous. She's sort of wearing a top with a fancy back to it. Um, and Mark, is, you know, his interest has sort of peaked a bit. Uh, until she turns around, of course, and reveals her face, which is in a complete state, and she's sort of like half sobbing into her her breakfast. Um, well, in his monologue, he says like, "Oh shit, I'm out of my depth. What do I do? Put the kettle on? The sound of the kettle might drown out her tears." Like that's his way of dealing with it. Not sit down and chat to her. Um, and and she's like, "What the fuck am I doing in this country anyway?" Um, like 
what am I doing? I can't remember the guy. I don't remember his name. Like, she's in just a bit of a shit state. But whilst Mark disappears off to go and get the tissue, he he discovers Jeremy. Well, obviously Jeremy's asleep on the sofa, but like not asleep. He's he's sort of there, almost rocking. And Mark Mark's like, I, I might ask Saz to leave. Um, and Jeremy almost sounds like genuine here. It's like, Mark, I'll get some money. Really, I will. Please just let me sleep. If they don't go, I might have to go. Yeah, which is quite, I found that bit quite weird because like Jeremy threatening to leave, like, wasn't that kind of the whole point of this in the first place? But by now, <laughs> like, like we said earlier, though, Mark would never have chucked Jez out if Saz hadn't come along. Yeah. And I think now, we, you know, Mark's reached the point where if he has to choose between the two of them, you know, the, the barometer has swung the other way back into to Jeremy's favour. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so he walks back to the, the kitchen with the with the intention, at least, of um, of kicking her out. Um, and, it, and it's funny because he sort of employs a, a, a sort of similar, like, indirect tactic, um, perhaps a little less harsh than on Jeremy, but um, he tries to make it like it's Saz's idea that she should leave um, by sort of inventing this imaginary tour of England that he thinks she might be on. And Mark's next attempt, he says, there's an Anzac memorial in, uh, in Huddersfield. <laughs> and you're like, right, that's it. That, that's the clincher, isn't it? That's uh, that's what we're going to get to get her there. <laughs> we should maybe pause just here to point out what the Anzac Memorial is. So the Anzac Memorial, the one that's in Huddersfield, there's there's another one in Sydney, I think. Um, and basically it's a memorial to the Australian and New Zealand fighters that fought in the Second World War. Or First World War, sorry. And yeah, funny that Mark makes out that like that was something that Saz will be interested in. But even as an Australian, I'm imagining she probably doesn't even know what it is herself. Uh, I don't know, because the Anzac Memorial in Sydney is quite famous. So and they'll probably she'll probably know what the Anzac because Anzac stood for like the Australian New Zealand Army Corps or something. I think you might be giving her a bit too much credit. <laughs> she's a hot, Well, she's a hot mess at the moment anyway, so yeah regardless so um he's not getting her out is he she's not going anywhere um and her tactic suddenly switches from well she didn't really have a tactic before to uh try and woo him into bed the truth is i've actually started to really like you you like me yeah i i, I want to go out with you wow okay so I could tell people that you were my girlfriend. Well, we might take things slow to start with, yeah? Sure, but we could still have fun and watch, you know, Morse and people could see us out together, like at my birthday party on Friday. I could put a photo of us on Facebook. Sure, all that stuff. So, can I stay? Of course you can stay. Yeah, and I mean, he, he falls for it. It's a strange one because I say he falls for it, but he goes into it knowing exactly what he's getting because he makes this comment as he's leaving the room saying like, okay, well, money might not buy you love, but apparently a furnished flat can get you a reasonable simulation. So like, he knows that this isn't sincere, but he seems to spend the majority, you know, the rest of the episode 
trying to suppress that as much as possible. Well, he just wants a companion, doesn't he? He wants a companion that he might occasionally be able to have sex with. Like, he had a failed marriage to Sophie. Sophie was just a car crash for him. Like, we never really get, in, sp- in this episode at least, we don't really get the clear-up of, of how Dobby and Mark finished after the end of Spinmore. Like, she comes back into it, obviously, in this episode, but we don't really know what had happened to get them to be, like, pally again. Because, obviously, the last time we saw Dobby, she'd stormed off because Mark had discovered Sophie in the toilet. Yeah. Um, And I think, like, we talked about Dobby being the one that is right for Mark at this point. So he doesn't Yeah, I mean, she's, she's the clear option, isn't it? She should be the one that he's pursuing... Yeah, and like he's more than happy still at this point to be like, I can get, I can get this pretend girlfriend who we're gonna have a photo of us on Facebook and we're gonna have a, a song that's gonna be our song. Um, oh Christ! Yeah, that the song is just. <laughs> please tell me that's not a question on the quiz because I do it, know, I don't know what it is. It tips it over. Well, we'll have to find out, won't we? <laughs> <laughs> so Mark goes through to uh, to chat to Jeremy, and Jeremy's like, "So when's she moving out?" And Mark says, "Like." Well, she's she's not. And Jeremy says, have you given her a time limit when she moves to out, needs to move out? Because when you chuck me out, you didn't give me a time limit. And here I am. Which is a strange sort of admission from Jez there. <laughs> well, he 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 has tried unwillingly or unwittingly to get thrown out by Mark. He called Mark's bluff early when Mark was like, if you eat my sausage, you'll have to go. And he didn't chuck him out for that reason. Like Saz coming back was the reason Jez got chucked out. He didn't chuck him out straight after the sausage incident. So I think he knows that he's got Mark by the by the balls here. But Mark says, like, uh, she's not moving out because we're now a couple. We've we've started a relationship. And Jez quite rightly says what everyone else is thinking. Like, in the last two minutes, literally whilst you've been in the kitchen. Uh, and Mark says, You can't but stop watching the human heart, Jeremy. Romance just blossomed. And there are many things that happened in that last couple of minutes, but romance blossoming was not one of them. Yeah, Jeremy quite rightly in front of Saz just like calls her out for the bullshit basically, um, and 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 storms out, uh, storms off, um, leaving Mark and Saz together for uh, a sort of an awkward moment. But Mark tries to to cut the the tension um, by offering her a bit. <laughs> it's so bad. Like we've not ever really seen how Mark. Uh, initiates sex with with many people. We normally just get to it whilst he's mid-sex. But, like, he looks rough as shit, she looks rough as shit, and it just goes, yeah, you don't do your fancy a bit. Um, And Saz could not be any less attracted. I can't imagine any woman, whether you've been married to somebody for 20, 30, 40 years, if I turned to my wife and went, you fancy a bit? She she yeah. she knocked my head off. <laughs> yeah, and I can't imagine why Mark would fancy a bit in the first place. I mean, Saz looks like a complete train wreck in this, like on her come down. But for Mark, maybe like <laughs> without being crude, any holes a goal. Like oh, Christ. <laughs> oh dear. And on Mark's, that note, Mark's logic, not mine. Yeah. Well, let's wrap that scene up then. On that fine note. 
um and uh, we arrive perhaps the, the next or may, maybe still the, later that day as, as mark goes into work we arrive well, at he's JLB. he's looking quite rough and tired so i presumed it was the same day yes yeah that that makes perfect sense um and we we get johnson uh, leading a team meeting um and he's mentioning that he's off to frankfurt which made me wonder whether you thought this was the start of johnson getting into bed with stefan strauss and um perhaps sort of screwing over the uk branch because you know we're not that far away from jlb's demise yeah and we don't really know we know we've had one mention of frankfurt before haven't we when yeah mark's meant to be going there to support johnson with the presentation yeah uh, which obviously falls through um but yeah, it's certainly not a regular occurrence for Johnson. Not that Johnson's a particularly regular character. It just seems a bit of a coincidence, obviously, with the knowledge that we have now, that Johnson's going to Frankfurt and then, what, three, four episodes later? Turns out Stefan comes over from the Frankfurt branch and just demolishes the entire thing. Yeah. So it, it definitely seems like this is Johnson getting into bed with the Frankfurt branch. And while he's talking, we, we get um, Johnson's speech is sort of cut off as Mark makes this comment, sort of admiring him internally. Oh, Johnson, let me count the ways how I admire the organisational and interpersonal skills of thee. Which <laughs> made me think, Jesus, like, admiring his interpersonal skills. Like, we know that Marks are no good, but... I think we can agree that Johnson's interpersonal skills are appalling. Gets what he wants, though. I I, I guess, yeah. He's a, a go-getter, yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, and so we see this meeting play out, and Mark spots Sophie sort of physically flirting with the guy who perhaps we presume is the one that asked her out on the date. And that behaviour is so inappropriate for a meeting. Yeah, I was thinking that as well. Like, she, he's whispering in her ear, she's giggling, like, she's got her, her arm on his shoulder. Like, yeah. it's so inappropriate for a meeting, and it triggers Mark to say... No, right in front of me. Hard. Nice. Reckon Sophie was almost definitely the one. Yep. As soon as she's horrible to me, realise I want her. Classic. Like, I don't know whether we... Obviously, we know what happens at the end of this series... But I don't know how much of this Mark looking at Sophie and realising he wants her is down to the sleep deprivation and how much of it is <laughs> yeah. down to genuine, like, I do love her. And I think Mark did love her. And I presume Mark, like, love doesn't just disappear. Mark did love Sophie. <sighs> I think he cared for her a lot. I, I don't know if it was if it was love. I think, he, OK, sure. I think he would. I think he loved her. I don't think he was in love with her. Yeah, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to, to go with that. So I don't know how much of this is genuine and how much of it is just, like, I'm knackered, I'm seeing something that I can't get or that I've thrown away in front of me. Yeah, and... well, I guess he's probably just comparing Sophie there to what he's got at home, which is Saz, and he's like, Jesus, if I could rewind a few months and, you know swap what i've got now for what i had then like you know sophie's looking like a, a pretty good option yeah um but he makes the comment about saying as, as soon as she's horrible to me realize i want her like i don't i'm not quite sure what point he's referring to sophie being horrible like I'm is he is talking about the, the fact that club? she's 
Or is she talking about the fact she's rubbing it in his face? Perhaps. But then, you know, Marcus just humiliated... Like, the last time we saw them, Mark was humiliating her. So, you know, it's tit for tat, isn't it? Yeah. Well, talking of humiliating themselves, Mark fully humiliates himself here where... The bloody lever's gone! Lever! What? The lever gone! Mark, are you okay? Oh, wow! Oh, God! And for his next trick, Mr. Corrigan will slide a 2B pencil up his anus. Acute social embarrassment plus intense physical pain. I'm really pushing the envelope. Jeff's always there for a quick, well timed put down to just compound Mark's misery. Um, so we then next we we see catch up with them after the meeting uh, and Jeff is there to sort of have another go at, at Mark um, and we get uh, Dobby leaping to his defence. Perhaps it'd be better if you left the self-harming for the weekend, mate. <laughs> Jeff's doing a joke. Jeff's doing a joke. Everybody quiet because Jeff's doing a joke. Freak. And I think... Like, whilst that moment is brilliant from Dobby, like, I think part of that, and I know we haven't really discussed it as much, we've not done a, a, a character bio on Dobby, but a lot of people dislike the character because of her wackiness and that she can be quite annoying. And I think this is always the moment that people go back to as being, like, the really unfunny bit. Uh, I, I always found it quite charming, to be honest. Like, it is... Dobby just doesn't give a shit about what anyone else thinks. I mean, like, yeah, she is unusual, but at least she... I mean, we've talked about this before, similar to, to Gerard as well, is that... But at least they take ownership of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not saying that I I don't dislike Dobby. I don't think... I think her standing up for Mark here, her not caring what, what Jez... Sorry, what Jeff really thinks. Because Jeff, like, literally turns to her and goes, like, freak. And... There's a slight yeah. bit of like embarrassment from from Dobby, but not really that much. Yeah, exactly. And willing to perhaps, you know, take some of the heat off Mark by putting it on herself. It's you know she's sort of jumping on the social grenade and, and taking some of the flack, which is which is which is nice. And then she's only going to then back that up by offering Mark sort of the, the opportunity to to go to Mark's birthday party. As you know, and she says as as mates, um, but for emotional support and like you know, fair play, Dobby. Like she's really coming through for for Mark here, which makes you know what Mark's about to do just really you know quite hard to watch. And considering what Mark did to her in the last episode, where he's lied about the fact he's got an ex-wife. Yeah, yeah, precisely. And you just think, how many chances is Mark going to get to to screw this up? Well, we talked about that for four series with Sophie, didn't we? So we've yeah, got, precisely. We've now got five series worth of Dobby. Yeah, and, and it goes to show that, like, really, nothing has changed. Like, while Mark might be doing all of these things that he doesn't normally do, like, fundamentally, the reason he and Sophie didn't work out is, you know, because of things like this. Yeah. Yeah, big time. So, yeah, I think, like, talking about this scene being quite hard to watch, but... It's hard. A lot of peep show can be hard to watch, and I know that's why for some people that they can't get into it. But I feel like this is one of those moments where it's hard to watch for a very different reason. There's there's sort of cringe, and then 
I don't cringe at this moment. I, you just feel, you just feel bad. So yeah, like you said, Dobby invites Mark, <laughs> sort of invites Mark to his own party, uh, and says like, "Would you want to go along sort of just as mates?" Um, and Mark, in his monologue, says, oh, "I've got to choose like nice geeky Dobby or Saz, my primetime newsreader type girlfriend," which is an interesting way of describing Saz. Um, yeah, and you can. Again, this is one of those funny things, and so much of Peep Show is funny because of the inevitability of what's about to happen. And you know full well that Mark's about to make the wrong choice. Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, and Dobby looks crestfallen. Doesn't look surprised, but there's must be a certain element of surprise. If this has still happened over the course of like the last few weeks, even if it's a week, two weeks, the last time we saw Mark and Dobby together, he was like dry humping under a cupboard. Yeah, well, I suppose the last time was um, at the club when it all sort of fell apart. But to have gone from like that sort of behaviour towards somebody to then, oh, I've got an, I've got a new girlfriend now. That could only have been a few weeks before. So she must be quite surprised, but doesn't particularly show it. Um, and Mark says, did the right thing there. Pretty sure. Don't listen to your heart. That's what no one ever tells you. But probably the real grown-up truth. Yeah, I, I feel so bad for Darby. Because like you say, she looks genuinely like really hurt. Later on, as we go through, Dobby... Because of the way that Dobby's character sort of shifts, I think people grow to dislike her. And we, as a, as a, char- as a fan base and as a, as a viewer, grow to dislike the way she messes Mark around. But you sort of forget how much Mark messes her around in this series. If you think the various stages they go through. How many other people he sleeps with in this series whilst also trying to pull Dobby? Yeah, I mean, Mark's, you know, it all comes back to him. Mark's still a grade A shit. And Dobby, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're going to talk, I'm sure, at length at some point, maybe do a Dobby bio. And she has a, a slightly similar thing as to Sophie, where she seems to, you know, really noticeably shift her personality and all the things that she used to love, which you know well the things that made her a good fit for mark she suddenly you know one day decides that those are all the things that she doesn't want to do and then that ultimately spells you know doom and gloom for their relationship so we jump to jez visiting big sue's and another great way of the fact they've made him look like a bum um he's he's doing and robert webb is fantastic at doing this that sort of like rubbing of the eyes that he does and it's one of his like trademark things that he does when he plays just so many times I've spotted it. Um, he he tries to basically get Big Sue's to dump Johnson. He's like, I, I was just thinking I could come and live with you. And, and Big Sue says, you do realise like, I'm back with Johnson. Like, we're, we're, we're working out. We're fine. Um, and Jeremy's like, oh, like, just get rid of him. Like, we, we can work it out without him. Um, and Big Sue's like, no, he takes really good care of me. And I'm sure he does, like... He's probably making a fair amount of money, living in a decent house. Like, there's there's more to it than that, Rob. He's got to take care of her emotionally. He doesn't do that, does he? Doesn't do that. Yeah. Um, One moment I quite like from Suze is when she opens the door. Is (laughs) Suze is so honest, which I respect. Where she just says, "Like, Jeremy, you look terrible." (laughs) (laughs) Big Suze then jumps from like absolute zero to ten, and she's just like. Oh, my sister runs... I'm not going to... I can't let you stay here, but my sister runs a, a men's refuge. And she says, if you cut yourself, they'd have to let you in. Which seems so extreme. Yeah, it's funny that we've had these two episodes and 
we had that chat with with Sophie Winkleman talking about how you know genuinely nice Suze is, and that that pro- that comment probably isn't going to age very well when uh, the that a couple of episodes uh, or a couple of appearances running, she said some quite dark things. But yeah. I think perhaps this is maybe just her quite simplistic outlook on the world, and she hasn't really thought about what actually that means <laughs> no the implications of like it like self-harm yeah exactly but jess says yeah like sounds quite reasonable and big Sue goes to go and get the number and whilst she's getting the number jeremy dips his hand into the house realizes that johnson's credit card with the pin is on there and basically says oh if someone does that you're meant to rob them aren't you and i, I love that it's one of those comic cuts where it's just like i'll post it right back flick and then it's just him buying loads of really unnecessary things. So he goes to buy the 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 DVD in the in the shop and has a bit of a panic when he puts in the card the wrong way around. And I've I've never been in a situation where I've been trying to use someone else's card or been d- doing something that I know I shouldn't have been doing. But I think Jeremy acts how everyone acts in that situation where he just gets a bit sort of tetchy and a bit twitchy about it. And he's like, oh, my silly card, my bad card. Always wrong, aren't you, card? And sort of holds it up and points at it. Yeah, I think I, I've had, the, not the, this experience exactly, but I've had, you know, where I've like borrowed my partner's card and, you know, like I've nipped into the shop and got something for them. And there's that awkward moment when, like, no one else knows, but you know that this card isn't yours. And, like, am I going to get the pin right? And you've you've never tried to concentrate so hard to remember four numbers before. And to, to go in and you just can imagine, like, police swarming you as you're making, like, this insignificant purchase. But anyway, he, uh, he gets the £50 cash back and we have a nice throwback to... He gets a £20 note, or presumably two £20 notes. And one of them is on... It's got, obviously got Elgar on it, and he's like, oh, Elgar, why do you always find me at my lowest points? Um, so we skip forward presumably a few hours. I presume it's the same night. Yeah, perhaps. We get a quite a lengthy sequence to finish up uh, as we arrive at the, the main event, which is Mark's birthday party. Awkwardly dancing with Saz, um, and I never really stopped to look at Mark's dancing, um, but he kind of looks like when... You know, you're about eight years old and your nan gets up at a family wedding and you're holding each other's hands and just sort of like (laughs) swirling around. And Saz just is completely not interested. Yeah, and the moment when they they share a kiss and she awkwardly winces, which is very noticeable, like Mark comments internally. um... And what I think is really interesting is I I sort of noted down that I think the whole way through we're just waiting for Mark to realise that she's not interested. But he makes so many comments the whole way through that basically leads to that. Well, I mean, we know, like, from the the moment that they agree to this, he makes that comment about, you know, money can't buy you love, but a, a furnished flat can get you a reasonable simulation. And even when he's sitting next to her, he says uh, sterile conversation and sexual frustration. Like, he knows this is a bullshit relationship. Yeah. Absolutely no doubt. But still will go along with, with this ridiculous thing even if it means shafting jeremy shafting dobby to a certain extent like he doesn't care yep sell the lie um (laughs) as yeah you said she winces um and gerard then comes over uh and is chatting to mark and i like how mark can always be honest with gerard like gerard says like oh lots of people here mark lots of lots of people i didn't know you liked and mark just basically says meet in the room gerard meet in the room yeah well i think it comes to this point where you sort of touch on it a bit where because mark feels like the superior one out of the two he doesn't need to play up to gerard so he can just be honest but 
he also wants to show that he is superior to Gerard and admitting that he's only getting people in there so he's got more people in there is is a bit of a sort of a counter argument to that yeah yeah i guess perhaps he uh, i think he just thinks he's so far beyond <laughs> yeah that it almost doesn't matter talking of the meet in the room though i find it quite odd that mark's invited sophie well well this is exactly it isn't it i'm sure he despises half of the people there but he's invited jeff meet I, in the room i wonder whether he's just gone on a everyone at jlb can come yeah just like yeah, it, one of those group emails where it's just all loan managers at JLB and just bam, done. Yeah, because, like, Johnson's his boss and it's not very often that, like, I'm hoping my boss isn't listening. But, like, if I was having a birthday party or a party, I wouldn't invite my boss. Yeah. And I and I, and I get on with my boss. Like, but yeah, I wouldn't yeah. ever invite her to my birthday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, very telling. Meet in the room just to get those numbers up. I suppose Mark's Mark's got a bit more of a, a thing for Johnson, isn't he? Um, so yeah, Mark's quite honest with Gerard about it, and Johnson comes in like he just he he, he walks across like he owns the place, doesn't he? This piece of arm candy you got there. Do you really think she's the one? Who knows? She, she could be the one. Love moves in mysterious ways. Oh hello, she's getting jiggy to this one. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. She she loves this one. This this is one of her faves. Yep, there, there she goes. That's that's Saz. That that is Saz all over. That that is so her. Are you okay with that? She sort of ends up with like her leg sort of hitched up halfway up his. Um, yeah, I mean she's like half straddling him. Isn't yeah, she? and and he's <laughs> almost like dry humping her on the dance floor. Dobby comes over and Mark snaps at her, but then you can see he's getting quite frustrated and he just calls out to the DJ. He's like, oh, put on a funny one, like. If, if if there's not like a sexy song on, then they can't be doing sexy dancing. Um, so we hadn't really noticed, I certainly hadn't noticed at this point, that Jeremy wasn't there. No, I mean, the action has been purely focused on Mark. So Jeremy sort of arrives out, out of nowhere, doesn't he? Looking a damn sight better than he did before. And that Scrubs suit up well. looks fine. Like, it's a it decent does. suit. I've got, yeah, my comments say looking good in his fresh suit. Yeah. It's, it's a nice, nice suit. We know what's about to happen. Johnson's going to obviously swing round. So listen, Jeremy, I got a call today saying that my credit card had been used to buy various items. Oh, shit. Including a violin, a Ted Baker suit, and a bass guitar once played by Sir Paul McCartney from the Hard Rock Cafe. Yes, naturally. That's why I was coming to see you, to let you in on our scam. Oh, great. Our scam? Yes. I load up on goodies, you put a call in saying your card's lost, shazam! You get your cash back, plus a little extra, everyone's a winner. No, it's why my APR is at 16%. If it wasn't for low life like you, my APR would probably be only around 12%. Alan, I'm, I'm sorry, but he, he's not a criminal, he's, he's just an idiot. I'm calling the authorities. No, t stop! A Alan, I'll, I'll pay. I'll, I'll pay up for him. Poor Mark has to pay up for him, and Mark's had a... I mean, Mark's done a lot wrong this episode himself, but, <laughs> you know, he doesn't deserve punishment for this. Like, of all the things, like, this theme has been running this episode of Jeremy's not paying his way and he's costing Mark a fortune and stop it all off. Now Jeremy's, you know, tried to use crime to make up for it and it, it's it's blown up, like, back in his face, but it, ultimately it's actually blown up in Mark's face because... While he says, you know, you can pay me back in instalments, we know those instalments are going to last 50 years. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's not going to happen. Um, 
So you do feel a bit sorry, at least in this regard, for him. And then that's only compounded like further and further with these final, you know, couple of minutes. Yeah, so whilst Mark has agreed to bail Jeremy out, um, we then hear the DJ say, oh, and here's a special request for Mark the birthday boy. So presumably Mark's requested it. It's not Saz that's done it out of some sort of kindness. Mark's (laughs) done it. Um, And the song comes on. And Mark looks so like depressingly at Jez. And it's like, our tune. This is our tune. Um, And Jeremy quite rightly says to him, if you want to dance with her, go and dance with her. Like, stop pussyfooting around it. Go and do it. And he just boldly walks straight over to Saz. And Saz just cuts him down with one line and just says, babe, can you fuck off? I'm kind of busy. And Jeff has so many good one-liners to put Mark down. Um, But this has got to be amongst some of the lines he says when he's trying to pull Sophie. When he just goes, happy birthday, mate. Nice party. Yeah, he takes such great delight in in maintaining eye contact with Mark as he's kissing Saz as yeah. well. It's just, it's pretty savage, it's isn't it? It's absolute shithousery to the extreme. Yeah, I mean, you know what you're getting with Jeff, and he's, he's on good form this episode. This is like the third great little put-down for uh, on Mark here. Yeah, and um, then this the last ten seconds of this episode are just horrible. So Mark looks over and his internal monologue just says, this is the worst party ever. My misery has peaked. And then he swings round and he sees uh, Sophie dancing with... um, Just this bloke. And then he pans around again and sees Dobby doing this like weird dancing thing with... I don't think we know who the person is, do we? We just get, yeah, the back of some dude. Yeah, I don't know. Jeremy comes over and sort of comforts him and says, maybe we should... if you fancy it, and it's very reminiscent of Mark saying, like, when you yeah, do you fancy yeah, a definitely. bit. Um, <laughs> and Mark's like, no, I don't really fancy it. And Jez, and we talked about this. If you haven't listened to our interview that we did with Robert Webb, we talked about this with Robert um, in the way that Jez does this shuffling off and he just backs into the crowd. I'm always a big fan of Jez's dancing and we get more of it. Yeah, so he just sort of stands there, similarly to the way he does in the wedding episode, his wedding episode. Yeah, there's the different. There's a, there's a bit more like there's a sort of tragedy about the the dancing at his own wedding, whereas this one, there's some some solid hip action going there. Yeah. You do feel like he's trying to put like some sort of sexy mojo into it, which which I love because of of course it looks anything but. Yeah, um, and Mark finishes with another great line to finish off a show. He says, "That's right, dance, dance the night away, but you'll pay me back, Jeremy." Even if you end up dancing in cages at fetish bars. Bang. What Great. a way to end the episode. Yeah, classic uh, monologue to finish us off. Fancy a punt on the quizzy? Shit a bit of data out of that bunged up brain box. I'll do the buttons. You do the answers. I'm feeling... I'm feeling quietly confident, but I'm willing to be shot down in, in several fell swoops. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> jolly good. Right, I've got quite a lot of questions for this one. There's quite a lot that sort of lent itself where I had to sort of... I had to stop making questions. Um, I could have had it even more. Um, so let, let's see how you get on. So, number one. What kind of sausage did Jeremy steal from Mark's plate? It's a Cumberland sausage. Very good. And then on a similar theme... What flavour ice cream did Jeremy also steal from Mark? Cherry Garcia. Very good. 
Who lied to Mark and said they were going to tick at speed dating, but didn't? I said it was number 23, but I... And so I'll stick with that. That's correct. Yep, number 23. Um, okay. Name three of the foods that Mark buys to stop Jeremy eating his stuff. So he gets seven, but I want three. Uh, he buys radishes. He buys, like a mar- yep. he buys a marrow, doesn't he? Um, he then also buys... So he's got the marrow that's in the fridge. He's then also got the little radishes because Jeremy bites into one. So that's two, yep. presumably. Two, yeah. Uh, he buys Vogel linseed bread. Yeah, three. I'll keep Do you want going. to try and get the seven? I don't think I'll get the seven. He buys uh, Benacol margarine. Yeah, four. Um, does he buy soy milk? Soy milk? Yeah, five. Very good. I'm struggling after that. I'm not going to lie. That's uh, Hang on, was that five? Yeah, so there's two more. Um... Are they both foods? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think five out of seven is a solid. Marzipan one. Yeah, yeah. Six out of seven. I don't. I'm not going to get the seventh one, but I just dug the that final, one. I'll give. I'll give you help with the last one. This will be a good clue. Is uh, think of Mark's stag do breakfast. Oh. Rivita, I should have got that one. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Seven, very good. That's very solid, getting five straight off the bat like that very quickly. Okay, moving on. Uh, who had asked Sophie out on a date, but she said no? Oh, I've talked about him quite a few times, Tolly. Tolly, correct. Uh, you mentioned that you didn't want this as a question earlier, but what is Mark and Saz's song, and can you name the artist? I'm presuming the song is... Called When a Man Loves a Woman. Yeah, correct. Do you know who sings it? Not a clue. It's Michael Bolton. Oh, fair. Okay. Um, This one might be the hardest of the lot. Um, So, Jeremy mentions about going to live on Pedge's houseboat when he's moving, when he sort of storms out. But where does Mark say that the houseboat is stuck? Oh, it's, this gets mentioned loads of times in, like, social media posts. It's Rotterdam. Very good. Very, very good. Uh, the ne- next lot, you should breeze through these, then. Uh, who had asked Dobby to go to Mark's party with him? Skunky Pete. Correct. What's Johnson's pin number? Oh, it's... Oh, shit. This was a question on the Dobby Club quiz. It's 8008. Brilliant. And then to finish up... What three things does Johnson list as having been bought using his credit card? He says a Ted Baker suit, a violin, and... Yeah. Oh, the guitar, once owned by Sir Paul McCartney. Yeah, perfect. Very, very good. I think you got them all, didn't you? Yeah, because I only needed three of the um the food. Yeah. yeah. Excellent showing. I get uh, Michael Bolton missed out, but to be fair, that that was a harsh one as it wasn't actually mentioned. That's a very solid showing. I'm very impressed with that. So there we are then. That just about wraps us up for episode three of series five. Thank you for joining us as always. And if you've enjoyed the episode, please take a moment to subscribe if you haven't already. Um, And then as well, leave a review if you haven't, because that really helps us out. It it sort of pushes the, the visibility of the show um on places like itunes and, and, and spotify and things like that um 
And we, we've also, we, we mentioned it last time, but I, I think it's the, the voting is still open. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about it a little bit, Rob, about the Podcast Listener's Choice Award. Yeah, so if you are um, interested in voting for us and uh, pushing us one step closer to that award, we'd really appreciate that. Um, so you can do that by going on to britishpodcastawards.com forward slash vote. And then what you need to do is just search for our name in the bar and they'll send you an email and you just have to confirm your vote through that way and make sure that you do sort of confirm your vote. Um, it might be, I think I talked about this in the Spin War episode, it might be that somebody comes along with four million daily listens and we oh, get well, absolutely swamped. But it would it'd be great to, to even be in the reckoning for that. And it's great that we've even been nominated for it. And to make it even easier, I'll leave a link to, to that in the, the description of the episode as well. And uh, if you're at all interested, we shouted them out at the start of the episode. But I'll also leave a link to the Patreon website as well. So if you are interested in that, um, then, then do check that out as well. Yeah. Cool. So... Looking at next week then, we're going to be looking at episode four of series five, which is called Jeremy's Mummy. And yeah, we finally get to meet the first parent of, of the old dude brothers. So I'm really looking forward to that, particularly as we've got that little bit of foreshadowing um, way back at the start of the episode about Jeremy eating his uh, eating mummy's nest egg. Um, so there's going to be obvious ramifications for that. Um, how can people get in touch with us, Rob? So, if you want to follow us on Facebook, you can find us by searching for Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs. On Twitter, you can find us at Podcast Pharaohs. And uh, just to sort of do a little plug on the Twitter, I've also just set up a new Twitter page called Accidental Corrigan, where I'm trying to find as many sort of examples of... Uh, people sounding like mark in in their tweets or in facebook posts or on the news um as they can so i've shared quite a few from our podcast account in the past couple of days um so yeah do do check that out if you can um and on instagram we are at podcast secrets the pharaohs and if you want to be old-fashioned you can go to podcast secrets the pharaohs at gmail.com if you want to send us a little email Perfect. Cool. Right. I think that just about wraps uh, wraps everything up, doesn't it? Have you got anything else to add? No, I don't think so. I'm really looking forward to next week's episode. I think the Jeremy's Mummy episode is probably one of the best episodes of the series, I think. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, I, th I think that's a good shout, actually. I think it's also just, I want to shout out just quickly. Um, I know uh, a lot of you will have listened to the Out of Office podcast um, and the podcast that we did with them. We just thought we'd do a quick shout out to them. Uh, last week, they spoke to Lucy Davis from The Office, who, of course, mm. plays Dawn. Um, so if you do want to go back, I'm sure there are plenty of fans who have sort of cross over between both podcasts and between both shows. Um, but if you're not aware of them, they're out of office podcasts. And yeah, they interviewed uh, Lucy Davis. And have you listened to it, Tom? I haven't yet. No, I've got it on download. But yeah, it's um, a really, yeah, really looking forward to that. Really cracking get... chat. So yeah, go back and, and and check them out if you haven't listened to that already. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely shout out those guys because that's a, a real a real special episode. Cool. Okay. Well, thank you very much for listening, everyone, and thank you as always for joining me, Rob. Hey, Mark, come and put your tie up Lindsay's asshole. It's clean. <laughs> <laughs>